got a job at the library. I work at the library. I'm not a librarian. I'm a library clerk. I mean, it, you're, you're sort of a librarian. I'm not a librarian. In no way am I li- a librarian. You have to have a master's to be a librarian. In library science. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're serious? Yes. That's a real thing. You have to have uh, a master's degree in library science, and it is apparently a very difficult degree to get. Uh, so what is your title? I'm a library clerk. And what entails a library, a library clerk? I work in all aspects of circulation. Go on. I will not. Okay. He keeps blood flowing. I mean, clearly that's what it I is. basically, from time to time, I walk around to all the tables where people are studying or working. I'm like, all right, guys, let's all stand up and just stretch it out for a little bit. Make sure that we keep everything flowing. We get some good ergonomics going here. Get out of here! <laughs> this is a library! I'm a bum. I sleep here! Uh, how many bums have you seen? A lot. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's sad. <laughs> Um, but it's interesting though, actually, because I mean, it's a public space, so uh, they uh, homeless people have just as much uh, of a right to be in a library as anyone else, and as long as they're not bothering anybody or or uh, you know like causing problems, then they have just as much right. There's one dude that comes in, and he has um, a whole lot of bags that he brings with him, and like he he brings them all with him everywhere he goes. He like puts them all over himself. Yeah. Uh, it seems like a process, but he's he's got it down. And he just comes in and reads the flyers and, like, the newspapers, and he just kind of sticks to himself. If anybody tries to give him money, he very politely uh, denies it. He, he doesn't want handouts, and he just hangs out in the library. Oh. And he seems like a super cool guy. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. Hmm. How were, how were your weeks? <laughs> they were good. Yeah, good. Um, it's Monday, so. It is Monday. Um, you can talk about last week. What happened yeah. last week? You want to talk about something last week? No, I'm just wondering. I'm just saying, just because it's Monday doesn't mean that you guys have nothing to talk about. You can talk about last week. Well, last week was great. I loved last week. Why did you love last week? <laughs> because it was season three premiere of Wild Cards. Yeah, <laughs> I was so excited. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I just want to be really clear to everyone listening that um, nothing about what Megan just did or how she sounded was in any way put on. That is legitimately <laughs> what? what she starts sounding like anytime she talks about she Wild gets Cards. Giddy. Yeah, I was just kind of maniac for a while no it was fun it was exciting it was uh well i don't mean it in a bad way i'm just but you guys you guys saw the um muted version of it really oh yeah mm-hmm. what was the unmuted version where did that come from or where'd it go oh it uh, stayed at home I yeah guess. it's in our apartment <laughs> me <laughs> breaking my shoulders because i'm like waving my arms around like a crazy person <laughs> she does that a lot yeah oh cool what a life yeah. you guys have yeah <laughs> it's pretty interesting um, should we get started? Let's do it. Okay. Uh, hey, everybody. We're Experience Pointers. We are a trio of gamers and RPGers, uh, Repuggers. Repuggers. Mm-hmm. Yep, that is the generally mm-hmm. accepted term. Uh, um, and we love to talk about uh, role playing games and how you can better run or and play in yours. Most people uh, do and or, but you yeah, you are breaking the mold. <laughs> uh-huh. Or and, really I like it. It, it flows. It means the same thing. It does, but in a way, it means completely different things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, today. Uh, oh wait, no, stop. I am Grav, and I am joined by. Uh, my name is Jordan. And and I'm Megan. And uh, today we're going to talk about uh, Big Bads and You. Big Bads. Big Bads mm. and You. Um, but before we get into that, I'd like to remind everyone that uh, we have a new sponsor this week. Again? And they've been, uh, yeah. What happened to the last one? Uh, apparently people don't understand what it is that a podcast does a lot of the times when I approach them about this stuff. Possibly it's because I misrepresent it, but I think it's on their end. Anyways, our new sponsor this week is 8 Ounce Korean Steakhouse. 
uh, which I thought was a reference to the size of their stakes, but it turns out they're really into like the green movement and being organic. So actually there's some sort of weird like kale-esque material that they built their steakhouse out of. Uh, it's very flimsy and uh, gusty and breezy, but apparently it, you know, works and qualifies as a building according to most government standards. So, whole place weighs eight ounces, and that's sort of their gimmick. So, eight-ounce Korean steakhouse. You can check that out down by the seashore. We're sponsored by a place that qualifies as a building? Technically, Yes. I feel like being by the seashore is not a very smart idea if I assume they weigh eight ounces. Well, yes, but it's very easy to get the restaurant and bring it back, so... But but when there are people inside it, I guess not. Hey, listen, have you ever been playing catch on the beach and you throw a ball and it blows away and you just run over and grab it and bring it back and keep playing catch like nothing went wrong? Right. How does their kitchen work? It's not important. They're our sponsor and they're great, so check them out anytime you're by the sea. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you for that, Jordan. And uh, yes, today we're going to talk about big bads and you. Yes. Um, every good RPG needs a good big bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, we want to talk about uh, how to make your game or your big bad in your game, I guess, uh, better, how to set them up, how to implement them, and how to maybe even kill them. Mm-hmm. Maybe even to, to give them a little nice ending. And also I'm going to say... I actually, I disagree on one point. I don't think every RPG needs a big bad, but I do think a big bad is a really great way that uh, you can add some some interesting conflict into your RPG. But I think it's possible to do it without a villain of any kind, actually. Which maybe we could talk about in a future podcast. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, so let's first define what a big bad is. All right. Okay. Um, well, the term itself, just to touch on this, I think came from Buffy, right? I I. Think uh, now that could just be like one of those like urban legend type common knowledge mm-hmm. things, but I believe that the term did originate did. on on Buffy because that's what they called their big bads basically on the show mm-hmm. and behind the scenes. I think, but yeah, that makes sense. But anyway, that's just a little bit of uh, information, a little weird fact there. Interesting. I think. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, so basically, a big bad in uh, Buffy and and everything else, a movie. A TV show, a video game, a play, comic book, comic book, um, mm-hmm. cartoon, uh, Bible story, whatever. Radio drama. <laughs> Radio drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, a big bad is someone who is the prime uh, antagonist. Yes, mm-hmm. right. I always get those mixed up for some reason. Um, antagonist uh, of the story. And uh, what are what are some of your favorite big bads? So we can show off some examples. Hmm. Wants to start. Well, I'll start. Um, I mean, I think you guys probably, I don't know, maybe know that I like Doctor Who. I don't know, maybe don't. I'll Do just we? tell you. I Yeah, uh-huh. I like Doctor Who. Yeah, she does. I Surprise. Do. I like Doctor Who. <laughs> um, so uh, there are lots of bad guys in Doctor Who, of course. If you know the show, you know this. Um, but one is the Master, who I really like. And the Master is a childhood friend of the Doctor. And the Master is... Uh, is smarter than the doctor, mm-hmm. um, but he's also crazy, and uh, and he he sees the world in a completely different way. He he sees the world in that he needs to own it, um, and uh, the doctor doesn't doesn't see it that way. He wants to experience the world, but depending upon where you are in the series, the doctor is the last time lord, and then the master is the only other one left, and he you know he wants his friend. But he's constantly coming into trouble with the master. And the master just... There are multiple times where the master almost changes his ways. And it's just sort of this constantly... This sad relationship that they have. 
And, and you see this, I feel like I see this a lot of different um, movies and TV shows. And I, I really like that kind of tragic villain um, who either is a friend or there's some reason they're tragic. tragic. I, I wasn't going to get into this one too much, but um, uh, Prince Zuko is also sort of like that, but in a completely different way. I just think those from uh, Little Last Airbender. I just think those are really interesting. Mm-hmm. Cool. What about you, Jordan? Um, okay, so I, I have two. Okay. I have two. Oh, I only started with one. I have another one, too. Okay, well, I'm going to do both of them. All right, well, fine. <laughs> um, Come back to me. So one of my favorite uh, big bads of all time is the Joker. And I think uh, the Joker is interesting because he himself does not have, like, any sort of tragic backstory or anything like that. He's not a super compelling uh, human bad guy. What makes him such a good big bad is he is just this sort of elemental force of chaos and I think uh, his unpredictability and just the savage, cruel things that he does, just on a whim, uh, make him a... I, I love the expression, he is the he is the villain that villains tell each other scary stories about. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes him one of the best big bads. Mm-hmm. That's a cool one. Do you have another one? Just I do, yeah. Okay, my go. second one uh, is not technically a big bad. Okay. Um, and I know we said we weren't going to say this one. Okay, cool. But I'm going to say uh, Peter Stormare <laughs> as, as Satan in the Keanu Reeves Constantine so movie. So good, though. Yeah, uh, not really actually the big bad of that movie at all. However, his portrayal of that character is so completely in control of the situation. Like, he is 100% confident with everything that's going on. He knows he is the smartest guy in the room. And then he also has these, like, little weird, deranged touches that he'll throw in every now and then just to remind you how really seriously dangerous he is. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't play it up. It's just kind of such a perfect, like, that is the that is the perfect vibe that I feel like a really good Big Bad should have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So you're getting a clear a clear picture of the kind of villains mm-hmm. I enjoy, I think, from both of my choices. Right. Yeah. Um, so a couple of my favorites are, uh, Prince Arthas is one of my favorites. He's from uh, Warcraft, specifically Warcraft 3 is when he was introduced. And he's another tragic villain who started out uh, doing things for the greater good. And then eventually was like, I can do things better if I have a lot more power and sort of turned and then eventually murdered his own father and went on to rule an entire continent. And eventually you get the best of him. But his story going from you playing as him and being like, you're a paladin and you go into the dark side very slowly. Uh, it's such a fun, uh, epic story that they put out. And uh, they're still building upon it a little bit today, actually. I don't know where that character is going to go in the future. I know he's sort of dead, but... No one ever stays dead, as we know in most things. Hmm. Uh, another one of my favorite big bads is uh, Venom from Spider-Man. Yeah. When he was uh, introduced, uh, I think it was the 90s. He was... Uh, oh, it was created, most definitely the 90s. Yeah, it was. he's a very 90s villain yes. uh, created by Todd McFarlane. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my first introduction to him was actually the cartoon show, the Spider-Man cartoon show they showed on Fox. And I loved that show when I was a kid. I loved I did it. Too. It was one fan. of my favorite shows. And uh, his portrayal of, uh, or I guess uh, his his character in that show was was such like the opposite of Peter Parker. Basically, his story was that he was another journalist at uh, uh, the, the Daily, Daily Bugle. Bugle. I was to say Daily Planet, but that's not it. Mm-hmm. Um, Daily Bugle, and uh, he had just gone on a string of bad luck. And it was also because of Peter Parker that a lot of that was happening to him. So he was in a place where he got fired because of uh, what ha- what Peter did. And Peter at this time had just donned the black suit, which is the symbiote. And he 
uh, lost it or actually threw it off himself because it was making him turn super, super dark and do a lot of dark things. Like he had a fight with a rhino and he almost like killed him. He's like, what am I doing? I'm starting to turn into this person I'm not. And he, he got rid of the suit and the suit found Eddie Brock, which was the other journalist that was having all these uh, things happen to him. And immediately when that suit bonded, it had the memory of Peter rejecting him and Eddie's own memories of, of Peter just being an asshole. Mm-hmm. And like it just combined to make this awesome villain that uh, just threw Peter for a loop because it had the same powers, uh, actually had better powers essentially. Yeah. Uh, it could, he could like transform clothing. He could just turn to whatever he wanted. He could make weapons out of himself. He's also one of the only villains who can get around Peter's spider sense, which I yeah. think is one of the coolest things about Venom. Yeah, yeah. The suit knew how to how to a workaround for that. Yeah, yeah. So Venom was one of my favorites, and still is to this day. Although he became an antihero after that, not much too not much too longer after that, because they had, they had to fight Carnage, which is another crazy villain, but um, still one of my favorites. And then Megan, you had a second one. I did, I did. Uh, I really like Kilgrave from uh, Jessica Jones, who is played by David Tennant. Now I'm seeing my Doctor Who thread here. Yep. Anyway, um, and also sort of like you said, Jordan, I can see the kind of villains I tend to like mm-hmm. are tragic ones. Um, he's tragic because in a lot of ways he was born with a power that kept him from being able to be a normal human. And while a power like this would not always make someone turn as horrible as he did, this one, it did for him. Um, And he's interesting because not only do you see this human quality in him every now and then, but then you see how he can't maintain it. That, or he's really good at buying into or making people believe that he is that human, which is also very interesting, those kinds of people. So it's sort of that... Um, that villain who's playing with humanity and, and empathy and and things that we tend to value and then just completely corrupting it or turning it on its head. And he's almost, in some ways, he's childlike in mm-hmm. that way because he just can't get away from his own power. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, and, and it's tragic, you know, it's it's and it's horrible. He's horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so clearly, we could sit here and talk about our favorite villains and what we like about them for a really long time. But mm-hmm. let's let's move forward mm-hmm. okay. and and you know put these into the context of an RPG. So first off, uh, if you haven't thought about making any of the characters we just mentioned into a big bad, uh, one thing you can just immediately do is just use that exact character and reskin them to fix your to fit your game and see. Um, what what kind of story ideas and beats you can mine from that. Right. Honestly, that is one of the easiest ways to create a big bad, is take an already established, really good one, and then put them in your game with a well, different name and a different look and a different vibe, and then... Isn't that the... What's the saying? There's There aren't any new stories? Right. I feel like there's this... Yeah, I don't like that. Okay, okay but, I don't like that but I'm taking that and, and saying that... Sometimes I feel like there's this instinct of going, well, I don't want to steal something. I need to create something from scratch. But really, at the end of the day, nothing, in my mind, it doesn't It doesn't work like that. Sure. That doesn't mean there are things that aren't unique. But I think a lot of times your uniqueness comes from pulling from elements of things that you like. So yes. what I'm trying to say is, I think that is the best way. I don't think yeah. that's cutting corners at all. Oh, my gosh, no. I yeah. always advocate stealing everything. That steal is, it. I think yeah. we've talked about this, that on this podcast before, and we will continue to. Yeah. Steal everything. Even if, even if like your players realize where you're pulling this character from at some point. That'll only make them happy. Yeah, right? they'll be like, yeah. oh, this is that. This is so cool. Oh, like, yeah. They'll love it. Like, that's what RPGs are all about, right? Yeah. <laughs> but having said all that, let's talk about how to set up a okay. big bad in your game. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I mean, I think it depends upon the type of big bad and it depends upon how long they're going to be around. Uh, if you're planning that out, I mean, it, we coming from right now playing RPGs on stream more often, we have sort of a delineated time frame, So we're thinking about it differently. Whereas when I've played at home games, it's just kind of like, you know, forever. Now, having said that, I've never run a home game myself. Um, so I don't know for you who have, uh, how you think about that and plan it out. But to me, I think that um, just like you see in a TV show or a movie, the best way to play with uh, a big bad is to have them come in and out every now and then. So you might meet them. I think you've talked about this, Gaurav, with, yeah. with Strahd. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. You know, you, you meet them at some point and either they defeat everybody horribly because they're just too tough mm. or it's like a very dangerous situation. Or you could do something where they're like their name grows and grows and grows in epicness or in terror and fear because everyone talks about them. It's the way people react to yeah. them whenever their name is brought like up. They, like Voldemort. Almost. Sure. They could be rising in power to equal the PCs rising in power. Yeah. Like they are an equally strong evil force that is growing in power just as the PCs uh, grow in power as well. And that mm-hmm. can be a great, like, sort of like they're off screen, but their legend is spreading just like your characters or your players' right. legends are spreading. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. it could be a hidden mm-hmm. uh, bad guy. I am a very big fan of big bads that are puppet masters. Um, Clearly. Who, sure. Right. But I love, <laughs> I love uh, what I don't like about when the, the way to not introduce a puppet master big bad is to sandbag your players with some person who they've never heard of or seen before who is like, yes, it was me the whole time. That's kind of, I won't say it's bad. There are probably ways to make that work, but it's it's the most cliche and kind of the weakest way of doing it. I very much like puppet masters that get down and uh, will play with them face to face, but not let them know that they're the ones who are responsible for all this stuff until they're ready to reveal that. <laughs> so obviously, it kind of sounds like along the lines of what we're talking about. If we want to take it out of like talking about specifics. Uh, when you have a big bad, I suppose what you want to make sure is that your players know either that there's something going on that they're um, that they don't. I mean, even necessarily have to know as a puppet master, but there's something wrong that's going on. There's somebody they're looking for, well, right. or I guess somebody they've met that they're trying to get after. The right? clearest way I think that I can say this, maybe that makes more sense, is like when you reveal, like, oh, this big bad has been the puppet master the whole time. You want your players to be able to look back and see their fingerprints on everything. Mm-hmm. You yes. want them to go, oh, that's why that happened and that happened and that happened because it was you this whole time. Okay, right. Right. that makes sense. Not like, what? Who is this guy? You don't want your players to think that when you introduce your puppet master big bad. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other end, if you want to have a big bad that isn't hidden and you want it to be revealed outright, uh, Megan mentioned that I, I was talking about Strahd. I talk about Strahd all the time because he's one of my favorite all-time villains. Um, also pretty tragic. Guy. Also pretty tragic, yeah. I was actually... he. They, they wrote a couple books about him years ago when they uh, invented the character and basically the book is a memoir of him writing about how he became Strahd, essentially. And he has a pretty tra- tragic backstory. The book's called I, Strahd, if anybody's interested. Um, anyways, he... From the get-go, you are told this is the big bad guy. You can't leave this plane unless you do something about him. And he knows it, everyone else knows it, and you'll try other things to get out of there, or, um, and none of that will work. It just won't. Um, and he'll give you, like, false hope sometimes. But at, at the same time, like, everybody in that, in that existence uh, of Barovia, everybody is afraid of him. And 
to the point where they won't say his name. And it became to the point where my players at my table wouldn't say his name, hmm. even though it did nothing. Like there was no power in that. That's but, interesting. But just having it happen, like naturally, like don't say his name. Like they were saying that around the table. I'm like, it literally nothing happens. <laughs> But it's so cool that you can make that happen naturally. But they were afraid of what they would happen if they did. That's because they really thought, cool. They thought something was there. And uh, yeah, he. Uh, uh, the way they tell you to run him is that, uh, well, they actually don't really tell you how to run him. They give you recommendations, but they're like, have him show up often and do small things to play with them. Show them that he is toying with them. Because he is. Like, he is toying with them. He could kill them outright at any point up until they get to these power levels and maybe then they have a chance. But even then... He is toying with them the entire way. So they never tell you outright, like, show up at this point, do this, then show up at this point and do this. It's up to you whenever you pick those moments. And that's what's exciting about that kind of campaign is that you can have him show up at the best moment that makes the most impact and makes them fear him as a villain. And I think that's really cool. But I want to piggyback off of that real quick and take it into a mechanical uh, direction Mm -hmm. Um, because... That is also the most dangerous way to introduce a big bad as a GM, especially if you have invested a lot of time and creative energy in creating a big bad, because you are presented with really two main possibilities. Uh, One is that you have to make that guy, uh, you have to plot armor them, essentially. No matter what the PCs do or choose to do at that point, if you are like, no, he's the big bad of this whole thing, like, you can't take him out right now, then you sort of have to cheat a little bit if your PCs are super resourceful and think outside the box and come up with something that could conceivably either take them out of the picture or undercut them in power or maybe even outright kill them. Mm -hmm. So you either have to plot armor them or you have to put them out there and hope that your PCs cannot come up with that kind of stuff. But if they do, you have to be open to the possibility that your PCs might outthink you or the writer of the module and figure out a way to kill your big bad way before you're ready for it. So if that happens, then what would you do? Okay, so there's a bunch of different options there. What were you going to say, Graf? Uh, Well, I was going to say mechanically it's near impossible to kill him up until a certain point because of just how he's built. Right. I don't want to emphasis on the near though. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very unlikely that it's, that's going to happen. Right. But if, if, if my time as a GM has taught me anything, Mm -hmm. it's that if anyone can figure out a way to do it, it's your specific players at your (laughs) table, whoever they may be. The thing is like, even if he does die, he immediately goes to his, 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 uh, so they built him with plot armor. Sort of. Right. There, there are ways to deny that as well. Sure, but I'm sure but, you can't do that right away. Like uh, some someone you could. Okay, so, it's so exactly what it I'm is hearing possible. is they built him with plot armor, but there is a possibility that if you have super resourceful players, they could kill Strahd really quickly. Yeah, it's if possible. If they got lucky, it's possible. If it they is got possible. Lucky. Yeah. So, what do you do in that situation? What would you do, Garoth? What would I do in that situation? Um, I would let them kill Strahd. Okay. I would let them do it. But there are other people in Barovia who are vying for that power, and I would let one of them become the Lord of Ravenloft. Sure. Or Lordess. Lordess is a word. Lady of Ravenloft. Uh, I think it's Lady, Lady. Yeah. Um, Lady of Ravenloft. However, I would like to submit an official petition to the internet that we all start using the term Lordess oh, for a female lord. Lordess. It actually sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I would steal that. I would make one of the other NPCs who are sort of vying for that power uh, the Lady or Lord of. Or it. Also, when, when Strahd first shows up, he also picks one of the party members to be his 
air almost to be like, I've been doing this for 500 years. I'm kind of tired. Maybe one of you guys are good enough to, you know, take my place if you're if you can show me that you're good enough. And uh, they tell you in the book, like, th this is not a ruse. He does want that. But no one is good enough for this. No one will ever be good enough to take his place. But I would give that to one of them. I would offer it. I would basically have the dark powers come down and say, one of you will be the Lord. Okay. And then would you remove that PC from the game and make the PC now a powerful evil NPC and then give that PC's player a chance to build a new character and bring him in? Yes. It, only if they agree. Sure. Obviously. Only if they agree. Oh my God. No, yeah. never make that I would decision never, for I would one never, of your players yeah. without talking to them I would, about it. And there's always going to be one player in, your, in, your, in that party who's more than likely to say yes. And you'll probably pick that person. Sure. Like, you know, that one person's like, man, I wish I got that cool dark power. And you're like, here it is. I wish I was super evil. Yeah, yeah. Instead, I'm lawful good paladin. Right. I don't know why I keep building this character over and over. Right. Again. So I, I would let it happen. I would, I would play it through, and, uh, and then just, just see what happens past that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Megan, mm -hmm. what do you think would be an interesting uh, way of handling that situation? I, I know you haven't GM'd a lot I, of stuff. No, I, I would uh, cause some horrible consequences for it. <laughs> I think that, um, so, so in this context, I know nothing about this world. But um, if I were to just take it in my own brain and say, for example, they killed Strahd, then uh, s then in this world, that isn't actually this one, um, sure. I maybe that would completely uh, hurt the structure of the world. Like people all of a sudden would, wouldn't, they, um, like, I don't know, they, they, there would be a drought of some kind Ooh. because Strahd was doing something to, to the environment uh, or... Or the the economic structure would begin to fall down because he mm -hmm. was maintaining it somehow, and it would be them going, "Oh crap, we didn't think about our consequences." Sure. That was actually one where I learned this was from a Champions game I played in college, and we were all playing um, superheroes set in our actual college town. Oh, cool. Um, we were playing ourselves as if we were superheroes. And we were fighting, I don't even remember what we were fighting, but we have destroyed the city in the process of it. And we were like, great, we, we saved the day. And then our GM was like, um, okay, well, uh, the city has come to you and they want to know how you're going to pay back all of the destruction that you've done. Yeah, he was like, they're super mad they're at you. Super <laughs> and we were like, what? Like that blew my mind. I'd never thought about it like that no. until that day. But that to me is so fascinating to play with. Okay, great. You did a good job. Now look at all. Now you have to deal with all this crap that we came up. We beat the villain, but at what cost? Right. Basically. I actually, okay, so my thing was going to be, um, and this can seem like a cheap thing, but if you do it right, it works really well. That's when you introduce your bigger bad. Sure, sure. Um, and I'm going to jump off of what Megan said, because I, uh, her idea actually kind of sparked something for me. S maybe straw, and again, I only am tangentially familiar with uh, Ravenloft and the world of Barovia, so, mm -hmm. but maybe Strahd is the way he is, because long ago he was set to guard some ancient evil oh, yeah. that slowly corrupted him over time and he's forgotten about it and become this tyrannical despot but when you kill him you break the last seal that frees this ancient even more powerful evil which also wreaks terrible havoc mm -hmm. on the land of Barovia and people hate your PCs mm -hmm. for doing mm -hmm. that and then he is this even more powerful he it she whatever is this more powerful more sinister more malevolent uh evil presence yeah um that uh -huh. that 
can work if you do it well. But if you're like, ah, you killed Strahd, but that was actually just, yeah. I mean, his older brother, who's also named Strahd because they're well, family. His name's Sergey. Yeah. Sergei. I think that you, what you, where you have to be careful, um, it's just about do a villain like that one way and then change it up. You know, I think that's part of it. I think you can do that, but yes, you cannot continue to do that forever and go, well, you killed him, but like you said, here's his brother, who's exactly the same. Sure. And in some ways, I think, like, Megan, you were on the right track, I think, as far as what's interesting. Because, like, even if you did my piggyback of your idea, if they kill Strahd, who's this compelling kind of tragic figure, they should release something like Sauron, who's this sort of detached... Right. Omnipotent sort of like evil that has like one weakness they have to figure out. But then the real antagonists become them dealing with the consequences of their actions, the way people view them now and trying to still be heroic in the face of nobody wanting them to be heroes anymore because look what happened the last time they tried. Right. Right. Which is interesting. Then at that, yeah, at that point, the the big bad is almost their own psyches or, 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 or whatever the concept, yeah, the consequences, the amorphous consequences. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. but I think you've got to be able to roll with that kind of stuff. If you're going to introduce a big bad and put them physically in front of your players and you don't want to cheat, you have to be cool with the... Anytime you put a big bad in front of your players, you have to be cool with that being the last time your big bad shows up. Sure. Even if that is the first time you've put them in front of your players and it hurts... Oh my god, it hurts as a GM. <laughs> oh, there are a few things more pain, more painful as a GM than when you spend all this time going, oh, I've crafted this super yeah. compelling antagonist. And they're like, uh, I, wait, like that mythological guy? And then he probably has this weakness. Oh, what? I stabbed him in the heel and he's dead. And you're like, no, no, what? So kind of along, taking this a different direction, uh, I want to talk about how we uh, contrast the big bad from other bad guys because most likely, you know, like a video game, there's many bosses and then there's the boss eventually. Sure. So do you all, I mean, usually they're they're bad in mechan- mechanically, like they're tougher, usually. Um, but how, how do you, how would you contrast them throughout the game from other bad guys? Does that make sense? Yeah. It doesn't even just have to be mechanically. I think what, also what I'm asking is, do you prefer to do it mechanically or do you prefer to do it uh, with flavor or both? I think it depends on the game. So I think I think one major thing that you do to set apart your big bad from like your your lesser big bads mm-hmm. um, is that your your biggest bad, your main big bad is complex and your lesser like mini boss style people like you were talking about, Megan, are more straightforward. Sure. Like, like, the uh let's use an example from wild cards um dom zook who plays in our game and runs saving throw is uh playing james bogue a gunslinger who is trying to take down this guy called the baron that is james bogue's big bad is uh-huh. the baron mm-hmm. the baron has lieutenants that work underneath him and you guys just defeated one of them in our in our season premiere mm-hmm. uh and the bear's whole thing that was the lieutenant is that he is strong and tough he's right. just a big strong tough guy that's, he's, he's kind of like a gimmick, almost. Right. The Baron has complexity. That guy was like a straightforward, immediately present threat. Um, that is one way that I would contrast big bads from lesser, lesser mm. villains. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I dig that. Yeah. I, I, I want to talk about one other kind of big bad real quick. Oh, before, okay. before we move on. Because it plays in a totally different way. But I want to talk about your Lex Luthor style big bad. Mm -hmm. So this is someone who is actually not a physical match for your PCs. 
This is a this is a character who is not someone that you want to send toe to toe in a fight with your with your um, players, but it's still someone who is their match or even their better because they know how to manipulate or they know how to uh, stay on the right side of the law so that if your PCs were to kill them, they would become villains. Um, like like Littlefinger from Game of Thrones. These are your mm-hmm. your schemers, your super intelligent bad guys. Mm-hmm. It's difficult. To run those really well in a game yeah. because you start to feel like as a GM, you have to be super right. intelligent in order to be able to play them. But there are ways to to still present that without um, needing to be a Sherlock Holmes level intellect to come up with all these weird plans. Sure. Um, but it, it, it can be difficult. But if you can do it, those can be some of the most infuriating villains because... It, nothing can make your PCs feel more powerless than someone that they literally cannot do anything uh, against because if they want to still be heroes. Sure, right. Um, and that can be a great motivator. Again, you don't want to make your PCs feel like they live and exist constantly in a state of not being able to do things and being powerless. But if you use it judiciously, it can be a really good motivator for them to want to go after this guy and be like, just so mad about everything right. that this guy does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you could you could play that big bad maybe even as someone who swoops in and takes credit for the things that they do. Oh yeah, that's real nasty. Um, oh, yeah. And then Ooh. and then that can just start to feel oh just so yeah. infuriating <laughs> for your players, and it makes a great motivator for them yeah. to want to figure out how do we get dirt on this guy. Like, right. And that's a total different way of taking them down. You're trying to take yeah. them down in the eye of the public, mm-hmm. which is a different fight. Mm-hmm. But that yeah. that can be a lot of fun to play with. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk about how you would maybe end a big bad. Okay. In a, in a meaningful way, every every villain eventually gets trounced. Most of them, anyways. Not all of them, because some like the Joker will never be trounced. He'll always be around at some point. I'm sure he's had a point where he died, but came back and yada uh-huh. yada yada. But uh, those several thousand, I believe. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but those need to be just as satisfying as. Uh, as the whole campaign. Like, that's what you've been working your entire campaign towards is probably this focal point of beating the big bad. So how do you make that satisfying for everybody involved, including yourself as a GM? Well, I think I want to talk about wild cards again and just talk Uh-oh. about season the season one finale of wild cards. So uh, we basically were in this town, the posse's in this town, and we had this uh, these outlaws who were just gunning for us the whole time and it was just this buildup of these guys colt holbrook saying you know i'm going to burn this town down or what you know whatever i'm gonna kill everybody um and he was he was tough he had things that i mean that we could not beat and you jordan ended up running that as like this huge battle in which we all had like people that we were controlling to help us out huge mistake i'll never do that again (laughs) it was uh way too mechanically complex for me so it was mechanically (laughs) complex but it was really cool because it was so dangerous and so many people died and in some in this way and i don't know if you planned it this way but we essentially had a bunch of fodder to throw at this guy to kill which kind of raised i mean because we had all these npcs that we were controlling so it kind of raised the 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 dangerousness or the how how dangerous it felt 
in that way. And of course, we lucked out in this one because we killed him so wonderfully and, and thematically, and it was great. <laughs> but you didn't luck out. You you played Savage Worlds exactly the way it's intended to be played. <laughs> yes, yes, we did. But it um, that was really cool because we we'd fought you know some of his I, for lack of a better term lieutenants before and people under him. Um, but it was a good build up. It was it was a satisfying. And, and he was an example. He had never showed up until that episode. You guys had never met him, just but his you name. had heard you yeah. heard rumors about him. You had fought uh, with people who worked for him. Uh-huh. And then I wanted you guys to have this big threat of him showing up, but I also wanted him to be very overcomable. So if you guys were smart and you figured it out, you could take him down, and you guys did in a super cool way. And did it feel satisfying? It was very satisfying. Awesome. Then I did my job. Excellent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so how would you end your big bad? Uh, well, I think there's... Uh, so again, I want to go back to the possibility of like you bringing a big bat out for the very first time, mm-hmm. trotting him out from behind the curtain, and someone getting a lucky crit in and just decapitating him right there. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that can be an okay way to end a big bad. Mm-hmm. GMs, you have, you, have, you have to be willing to kill your babies. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, the only, it's the only way for you to be a... As the best GM you can be is be willing to let go of that kind of stuff. And sometimes, anticlimactic as it may seem, upsetting and irritating to you as it may seem, it's a great story for your players. Yeah. That one time they just hilariously easy yeah. took out, easily took out this huge scary guy with a lucky shot. Yeah. And like that was it. Yeah. It was like, ha, we defeated him with no problem. And that that can be a good story. Yeah, they'll, just, they'll remember that forever. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and that's really what we're doing when we're sitting around the table to play. Is mm-hmm. like, you know, make stories like that. So right. Honestly, if that happens, roll with it and see and see what comes out. It can be interesting. Yeah. Um, on the opposite end of that, uh, maybe cheat to make them tougher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a DM and you can do pretty much anything. You can make anything up mm-hmm. at that point. Um, I wouldn't fudge dice rolls. I mean, you can, but uh, it, I wouldn't start doing it just because of the last fight. If you're fudging dice rolls, you've been doing it the entire time or not. Like, be honest with your players up front. Like... Sometimes I've asked players uh, when I started my last home game, are you guys okay if I do it behind the screen? And they understand what that means. Right. That means that I'm, I'm going to make some dice rolls higher or lower for dramatic effect because we're essentially telling a story. Is that what most people mean when they that's, ask, are you okay with me rolling dice behind the screen? That's what I told them it was for. Okay. I, well, I was upfront about it. Okay. In that case, yes. I, I think would assume that's what most people are like. Why else would you do it behind the screen? To build drama for what the dice roll is for certain things. So like if it's oh, like, sure. I'm searching for a trap. Okay. Let me roll that for you. Sure. Okay. You don't find any traps. Right. And they're right. like, did I actually not find traps or did he just make a really bad roll? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I get that too. But I, I told them precisely specifically for bad guys that uh, and other things that I would roll behind the screen and maybe change it, but they were okay with it. I didn't do it a lot, but... And you have to be a really... You have to be really self-examinatory, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's not a real term or word. It is now! When you do that kind of stuff yeah. as a GM, because your instincts can start to turn you to the dark. That's a lot of power to have as a GM sure. to be able to decide where the dice go every yeah. time. And just like Prince Arthas... That can take you down a dark path as a yeah. GM. So you have to watch yourself if you mm-hmm. give yourself that ability. But but if you are cheating, also consider going the other way with it. Because like one time uh, in, in a campaign that I was playing in, we were fighting a big bad and uh, we... Um, I don't I don't think it was me. It was another player who got like a really big hit. We had been going at this guy for like 45 minutes. 
and someone got a really good hit on it and did like 54 damage. And we're like, that's it. And it was a really cool, like they described it really well. They did like a catapult and shot him in the back of the head with a crossbow. And it was like 54 critical hit damage. And we're like, that's Jeez. it, right? That's amazing. That's, that's an amazing way to end. And he's like, ah, oh, he has one hit point left. And we're like, okay, I guess someone walks over there and whacks him. <laughs> Like, no, end it there. Like, give him less hit points, yeah. end it there. That's so yeah. much cooler than, like, okay, you all are so close. One more. It's like, ugh. All right, fine. Like, sure. that doesn't feel as satisfying. Yeah. So go the other way with it if it's necessary for the story and just to make it a more epic moment. Like, don't feel like you're cheating anybody out of that. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, or use that one hit point to, like, do something dramatic, you yeah. know? But, but, like, this was, like, the arch nemesis of the guy. Like, this is the whole thing between them when it was happening. So I was like, this is, story-wise, this is so good. Make it happen. And it didn't happen, so it just, like, somebody else walked over. <laughs> oh, instead, yeah. instead right. uh, me, then, your and, random friend, is and, just going to smack this guy. And then walked up and did it. And was like, <laughs> oh, oh, really? A bird flew by. Yeah. Oh, lame. Don't let an NPC kill the bad oh, guy. Yeah. It's oh, pretty bad. It's pretty bad. robbed. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, another way you can you can end a big bad though is by not ending the big bad, but instead ending whatever their evil plan was. Mm-hmm. So oh, maybe yeah. you do have someone like the Joker who never really is going to be killed, and everyone knows that, or like some some sort of like like you know your your Satan level uh, antagonist who's like, well, you can't really kill me. I'm always going to be around, but you can stop my evil machination and save all these people. Mm-hmm. And and you can, you know, send me back to my celestial prison for another thousand years. Yeah. That can feel like being able to save something instead of destroy something can yeah, also sure. be a good way to end a big bad. Well, and that also gives you the opportunity to bring that big bad back mm-hmm. later on, which yeah, can yeah. be cool. Which is why they will never kill the Joker. Right. right. You know, yeah. which writer's going to be like, no, I'm okay with losing out on this story for right. the rest of forever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But also so you could just even have like instead of them killing it when it hits zero hit points they knock them unconscious or have some sort of plot armor that doesn't kill them but they are down for the count and they can choose whether to like bring them into jail or uh, have justice served and then maybe bring them back at some point as a different character entirely someone who sees to the player sides or has changed their motivations so you could do something interesting oh, with this character is take the Dragon Ball Z approach exactly yeah and just have what was last season's big bad now oh. be a friend that's helping them out in next exactly. season exactly a lot of shows do they that. also did that in Buffy a lot yeah, uh, yes. too. yeah that's so much more interesting than getting rid of a bad guy especially if you've been doing it for like over a year or two yeah. like someone who stays but isn't dead but comes I've, back I don't think ever played in an RPG yeah. where that happened but that would be really interesting. It's very hard because people are like I did I killed him he's dead and if you give them like he's unconscious well like I, I go over there and stab him in the head <laughs> but yeah that's probably gonna happen it's very unlikely that like everybody in the party is a paladin is like no justice. So, so maybe that's easier to do in, in a game where you set up from the beginning that yeah. death is like not like we're we're playing like a comic book level thing where it's right. like you don't ever really die. Yeah. You get knocked unconscious, well, you get taken out. Sometimes in extreme circumstances you can die, but most mm-hmm. of the time you live to fight another day. Yeah, but hit points being so like abstract, you could always be like you knocked him to zero, he's on his knees and giving a monologue about like you killing me will make me make you just as bad or worse and like see what happens. See what see what kind of decision they make yeah. based on that. You know, there's all sorts of ways you could play that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, spoiler alert, they will probably decide to kill him yeah, anyways, but probably. maybe your PCs will surprise me. Maybe he'll have some <laughs> knowledge that, maybe he'll have some knowledge about something else, a greater evil or something. They'll be like, wait, what's he talking about? Do we need him to explain this to sure, us? Sure, and that can be yeah. a good way to deal with the end of them as yeah, well. Yeah, because like, it might be the end of that, cam- that short campaign, but it could be the start of the next force one. Force them to keep him alive if mm-hmm. they know what's good for them. Right. That could right. be interesting. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I like I like those ideas. Yeah, I might steal some of those. Okay, cool. Oh, good thing I don't play any Euro games. Uh oh, I do. Um, okay, let's uh, let's move on to the question, question of, of the, the soul. 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 All right, so today this question comes from the RPG Reddit, and this poster is the last radio. Uh, and he asks, "The last radio." Oh, thank you for that. That was important that we had it. Ugh. What would we do without Jordan being here? My God. All right. So the question. <laughs> My feeling. <laughs> I'm just playing with you. All right. Uh, the question is, what is your favorite mechanic that you have seen in a game? Um, this one game I had had this guy named Ralph, and he was the best at fixing cars. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Hold on. Wait. No. This, was a, this was a player character. Yeah, but did you get what he said? No, saying? he's an NPC. He's a mechanic. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, my God. That took me entirely We, we are long. now hitting Garab really hard. I was like, I was like what? Hold on. <laughs> I know. It took me a second. I was like, no, Garab. No. Uh, okay. Now that, I anyway. now that I understand what was happening, that was pretty good. That was really good. <laughs> it's twice in one week I've gotten you. Um, uh, sorry. Uh, a mechanic in a game. Uh, the Star Wars RPG is one of my uh, favorite ones. The, the recent one from Fantasy Flight that has... The storytelling, the narrative dice system, I think yeah. is what they call it. And it's one of the best because none of the dice have numbers. They just all have symbols mm-hmm. that uh, some cancel each other out. And whatever you're left with is the outcome. And usually it's not just a flat success or failure. It's usually a uh, success with either a setback or uh, some advantage. And you can narratively decide. Uh, usually it's the players that decide the advantage and the GM that decides the disadvantage if there is any or a setback. And so you could fail but have some good thing happen advantage-wise or you could succeed but also have some uh, setback there. Mm-hmm. So it can – everything isn't just flat yes or no. There's there's variations of it. And I always found that super interesting. And I know they rolled that off into uh, a system of its own called Genesis, which is out now. Yeah, which I yeah. really need to read because I, I also really like that dice mechanic. Yeah. I think yeah, it's, it's super neat. interesting for a tabletop RPG. Um yeah, I, I like that too. Uh, but I, I think I've talked about this before. I might be stealing this from you, Jordan. But I really like the hindrances in uh, Savage Worlds and the bonds in uh, Dungeon World. Uh, and the hindrances in Savage Worlds is basically is a negative. It's a negative aspect for your character. Uh, and they can be mechanical or they can just be flavor or both. And I just think that is it's, it's super cool. And sometimes they can be a bit hard to play, but I really like... I like to have a flaw in my character anyway, and it's cool to have it built into the game system. That's just neat to me, and even have it be mechanical. And then bonds are cool because it's about creating some sort of relationship with the other characters, which to me, the more I've played RPGs, when I am playing in a game and I have a relationship to the other characters from the beginning, I I just enjoy that game so much more. Um, and, and Dungeon World just puts it right in their system. I, uh, I'm, yeah, I agree with Megan. I like any sort of mechanic in, R- in an RPG that that um, guides the player into thinking about story. I like sure. mechanics that make you think about story because not every player uh, does that kind of stuff come naturally to. Like, not everyone is 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 um, really adept at coming up with a really like compelling, complex, cool backstory for their character. That stuff doesn't come easily to everybody. And some people just want to, like, walk in and hit stuff and have fun doing that, and that's totally cool. But there's some people who want to be able to think outside the box with that kind of stuff, and they might struggle with it. Mm -hmm. So I like 
when, yeah, Dungeon World has you come up with a bond with another player at the table. Mm -hmm. Um, Savage Worlds gives you hindrances, which are worked into the mechanics of the game. Like, Mm -hmm. these are the things your character specifically sucks at, so you can't just build a perfect tank of awesomeness. Um, Even 5e D&D has uh, the really cool addition of, like, backgrounds Mm -hmm. that you roll for, and they give you mechanical bonuses in-game, but they also kind of come with, like, a pre-packaged background that you can roll on a bunch of random charts to, like, flesh out, which I think is really cool, so not everyone who has the same background feels the same. But it just gets you thinking about the game in a different way. Uh, Another cool thing Savage Worlds does is interludes, which is, Mm -hmm. like, when you're in an in-between spot... Uh, one of the characters can choose to tell a story about a randomly determined aspect of their past in exchange for getting a Benny or a Fate Chip or something. So Mm. you get a mechanical reward for contributing to the storytelling value of the game. And I love mechanics like that. And saying all of this, I I mean, I'll say that I definitely value story-focused RPGs more than I do mechanic-focused. And like you said, Jordan, not everybody feels that way. So I do think that at least for us, we're a bit skewed on the story Mm -hmm. side of things, but that doesn't mean that that's the only best way. I also love the sheer joyfulness of creation that comes along with the uh, core mechanic of Roll for Shoes. <laughs> there is there is a sort, if you have a cool group of, of players and everyone at the table is on the same page, there is just this like childlike, gleeful, collaborative storytelling thing that happens where anything is possible and all of it can make sense. Yeah. Uh, and if everyone's on the same page about that, it can be a lot of fun. I really uh, like that mechanic. Yeah, yeah. it's neat. It, it, it consistently amazes me that it works. Like it does. But, I mean, yeah, and and I think that works because we have played with people who are cool players uh, and we're all having a good time. No one's trying to win Roll for Shoes. Um, we probably have played, we played it enough that I feel like there's been a few times where I played with some people that it wasn't as good as others, but that's, but yeah, but yeah, it's, it's still a really cool game. Yeah. It takes you back to that, that childhood joy of imagination, just, just for imagination's sake, which is one of the things I value about RPGs. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that's the show, guys. Yeah. Uh, should we go build a pillow fort or something? I feel like doing some kid stuff now. Yeah. Okay. I'm cool with that. Do you have any Jiffy Pop? <gasps> I do, actually. Do they still make Jiffy Pop? Well, I have it, so we, yeah. Oh my gosh, oh my how God. old is it? All right, we're going to get some Jiffy Pop. Okay. But for, for you guys, uh, until next time, let's go! This podcast has been a Saving Throw production. You can connect with us on Twitter at expointerspod, and you can follow each of the hosts on Twitter at their respective handles. Jordan is at Jordan Callerman, Megan is at Megan Caves, and Garav is at GXG. You can also watch us streaming RPGs and more at the Saving Throw Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash savingthrowshow. If you want to listen to new episodes of this podcast early, consider becoming a Saving Throw Patreon backer. Patrons at the $10 and up level can listen to new episodes a week early. You can also help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you found it to get the word out. Thanks for listening.